want to focus on today is going to be a tougher kind of subject on prayer, all right? And it's going to be a challenge for us, okay? It's about prayers that God will not answer. Prayers that God won't answer, right? And uh, let me tell you why it's so important. We've got a lot of young kids here, right? A lot of kids at Christ Church. One of the things that causes a lot of confusion in little children, as well as adults, is this whole idea, idea of why does God not answer my prayers? Right? You probably have all been there many, many times when, when one of our loved ones has a horrific disease, they're in the ER, they're in the hospital, something's going on, and we pray. And if you're like me, I'm, you are really grabbing at the horns of the altar. You are praying with all that you've got, and you're asking in Jesus' name, and the prayers aren't answered. That's hard. And for little kids, sometimes that creates confusion. And uh, how many of you have heard this? You've heard this, this conundrum. If God is good, if God is love, if God's all powerful, right? And he has the ability, why does he allow evil? Anybody heard that one? Oh, that's like the number one issue that causes people to run to God or for many to run away from God. Because they go, wow, if, if God is so powerful and smart and has a loving motive, then why doesn't he allow, uh, the why does he allow evil to continue? Then people say, well, I don't want to serve him. So it's actually really common. That's a big struggle. And even for Christians, it's a puzzle. Why does God let this stuff happen? So we're going to dig in and address prayers that God won't answer. All right? And I'm going to need your help with this one because it's a tough one. And as I, as the Lord is working this in me, I I could feel the sting in my heart. What about my faith? Is my faith pure? Do I have faith like a child? Or do I have faith like an adult who sometimes complicates things? So let's dig in. So prayers God will not answer. All right. Number one. Prayers that are asked based on our timing and not God's timing, right? And already getting a few nods, Sonny. So you know the situation. Uh, God, I, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to do ABC, and I want it now. As in, right now. (laughs) And I know you're on a different time-space continuum, but I want it now. And God says, you know, you're not seeing it from my perspective. I see things from a very different vantage point. And the answer is no. It's not going to be now. It's going to be later. Right. And that's hard for us. Typically, it's hard for us because we think if God doesn't move right now, then God's motive may be. We struggle with it. What's come on, God? I'm asking for a good thing, not a bad thing. Right now. And yet he doesn't. So there's a story in Matthew 18. Jesus teaches a parable uh, about the importance of prayer and that we shouldn't give up on it. And he says, behold, there was, this, there was this city, there was a judge who didn't fear God, didn't fear people. He was really a bad, bad judge. But this annoying widow kept bothering him and kept saying, judge, give me justice. Make a ruling, make a ruling, give me justice. And the judge said, you know what? I'm going to give her justice because I'm sick and tired of her bugging me. And Jesus says, that's kind of like, like what I'm trying to tell you. God is not a wicked judge. 
You don't have to bug him and ask him a million times. And God says, okay, all right, all right already. I'll answer your prayer. No, no, God is not that way. God will listen and like a loving father, he will seek to answer your prayer and give you justice. But it's always on his time. Second prayer God will not answer is from an unrepentant heart. This is a tough one. Isaiah says, your iniquities in Hebrew, your iniquities have caused a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you pray. He doesn't hear. That's a tough one. We're, we're cutting to the root of something that's very significant. Psalm 66, if I regard weakness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It's also a very similar reference in Micah. Now, because some of you are very, very sensitive, I need to make a, a comment here so that you don't misunderstand something. All right. You know that balloon that flew over the U.S.? What believed? <laughs> We're not being spied upon. You know. I think it's comical how long it took the U.S. to take action, but that's a separate that's a separate issue. You know, in a way, you, you kind of can't help you kind of can't help it if a, a balloon flies over your head, right? We are going to have thoughts about evil. We're going to have thoughts that are very, very wrong and even perverse and dark and murderous and evil thoughts. Just because that thought hits your brain, just because that thought hits your brain, doesn't mean you're regarding iniquity in your heart. What, do we, what does it take for iniquity to find a place in our heart? I'm asking, I need an answer. Where do you cross the line? It's not just a fleeting thought. Michael? Action. Action? More? Ruminating on it. Ruminating on it. You're not letting that thought kind of just go over your head. You're grabbing it. You're cherishing it. You're meditating on it. You're fantasizing about it. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And you're fixating on it. And all of a sudden, that thing, whatever it is, that is considered evil, takes up residence in your heart or between your ears. This is the problem, okay? All right. So when we regard iniquity in our heart, it blocks our prayers. How about this one? Things that are contrary to the will of God, and, and I know it's kind of an obvious thing. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, yeah. Even Jesus himself, when he was facing the uh, scourging and crucifixion. He says, Father, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink it, I'll, I'll drink it. But your will be done. Boy, there's the root of, a, of, of an open heart. Your will be done. But when we're asking things that are outside the will of God, God's not going to answer that prayer. How about this one? Prayers contrary to the name of Jesus. Here's what that means. Whenever you, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Here's what I'm getting at. The prayer, the prayer that we ask, is it the kind of thing that Jesus would ask? Do you get what I'm saying? When you say in the name of Jesus, you're not saying it like he's a rabbit's foot. 
or he's the, it's the magic formula and you got to tag it. Dear Lord, please make my Camry a BMW in Jesus' name. Like, like oh, he's got to do it now because I said the magic words. And Jesus, No, that's not how it works. When you say in Jesus' name, you're saying the prayer is the very kind of thing he would ask. It's in keeping with his character. It's in keeping with the essence of what is important to him and the values of the kingdom. Making the Camry become a BMW is not on Jesus' top 10 important things to do today. So just because you say it in Jesus' name doesn't mean it's going to happen. When we ask outside the boundaries of his character, his essence, what he's about, we are not asking according to his name, and he will not answer that prayer. Next one, he's not, this is really hard. This one stings. This one stings. Prayers to avoid testing and suffering. Now we're all in trouble, right? (laughs) Do you understand James chapter 1? Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters. When you encounter various trials, right? Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, the testing of your faith, right? We're talking about persecution. We're talking about not getting our way at work. We're talking about being dishonored by a boss or whatever the case may be. That is a prayer God won't answer. Why? You tell me why. Why is it a prayer God won't answer? Potentially. Why? Why do you think? It's how you grow. It's how you grow. Keep going. It's like, it's like a fire that kind of Brings out the dross. Brings out what's pure, bring, burns up what's not. Yeah. It, it, what? Absolutely. You just quoted Romans chapter 5, 1 to 5. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, can we tease out an idea? And it may seem silly, but it's, it's really valid. You ready, Christ Church? What would happen to us, this, this group of people? If every one of us got everything we ever wanted in prayer. Think about it. What would happen? If every one of us got everything we wanted in prayer. Like an unending Christmas list. What would happen? Go ahead, buddy. What would happen? Corruption. Yes. <laughs> Did you go to seminary? <laughs> I know your dad. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you imagine how perverse that would get? And we would turn God into some kind of a strange cosmic Santa Claus or some, some big walleted grandpa that just is doling out the money to keep the kids close. You, do you know how awful that would be? The evil that would come of that if we all got what we wanted all the time? Just look at TikTok. <clears throat> and we can go on and on and on. Yeah, absolutely. My point is, God sometimes ordains suffering, even persecution. And he does it to test our faith. That's the point. All right. So sometimes we go through things that are unspeakably hard. And if you're like me, I don't want to go through that. But there are times when God will not answer that prayer Because he has a greater good that he's trying to accomplish. Um, How about this one? Prayers from a bitter husband. 
That's a prayer God won't answer, a bitter husband. Peter writes, you husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding manner, understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she's a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Okay, that's an unusual word in Greek, hindered. I don't like, I don't think hindered communicates the full meaning. It literally means to cut off is what it means. In kapto, to cut off. In other words, to chop. And when, when you are bitter toward your wife, and then you pray your big prayer at the dinner table, because you're such a spiritual man, get him tiger, and you're in a horrible marriage and you're treating your wife horribly, your prayers are lopped off, chopped off, and they're not reaching God's ears. By the way, that applies to a wife too, by the way, not just the husband, right? That's a prayer God will not answer. How about this one? A heart devoid of mercy. This is another tough one. Uh, one who shuts his ear to the outcry of the poor will also call out himself and not be answered. That's a tough one. Matthew 18. This is the man that was forgiven radical absurd debt by the king. And then the man forgiven radical absurd debt goes, finds his buddy that owes him a few bucks Chokes him, hey, you better pay me. I will, I will have mercy on me. No, pay now, have mercy. Nope, debtor's prison for you. And then when the king found out about it, he said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me for mercy. You should not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you. I don't think God hears the prayers of a person devoid of mercy. The compassionless heart. Mm -mm. Another tough one. A motive of lust. And lust takes on a variety of forms. You lust and do not have. So you commit murder. And you're envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend what you request on your pleasures. That's a prayer God will not answer. A heart that is full of a motive of lust. A prayer for blessing what God is judging. That's another tough one. A prayer to bless what God is trying to judge. That's hard to discern. Uh, a lot of us... You go so far in mercy that the idea of judgment is it, it's a real difficult thing to deal with. You know, we, we, we want God to be merciful to everybody, and I get that. But do you, do you understand? It's a scene. It's, it's the temple. And there are people bringing livestock. And the priests are inspecting the livestock to make sure that these lambs are unblemished. And because in the, in the temple aristocracy, you can't have pagan money, you can't have Gentile money. So they had an exchange system built up. And so you could take your Roman money and have it converted over to holy money, the Jewish money, monetary system. But they surcharged you for that service. They're profiteering on people. All right. By the way, what's going on that you would bring animals eating to the temple to be approved. What's going on? 
Sounds like what? Passover. All right. So can you imagine all the priests that prayed prayers to bless the day? Lord, they're going to be bringing livestock this day. We just want to spot a blemished lamb if we see one coming. And only we want to please you and make sure it's only unblemished lambs and, and blessed. You know, can you imagine the rabbis praying and the scribes and, the, and particularly the Sadducees praying for a blessed day as we get ready for Passover? Did God hear that prayer? Jesus comes in, makes a whip, drove them all out of the temple area, by the way, which is a massive piece of real estate. How's that for authority? With the sheep and the oxen, he clears the area, including livestock. And then he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away from here. Stop making my father's house a place of business. That's a prayer God would not answer. When they asked for the blessing, as we're getting ready for Passover, Lord, bless this special holy high holiday for us. Uh Uh-uh. You don't try to bless what God is judging. That's a hard one. That's a real hard one. What about an unforgiving heart? This is amazing. Mark's the only one that words it this way. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will... Also forgive you for your offenses. Yeah. Why? He said, while you're standing praying, have a forgiving heart. And if you don't, that's going to block, lop off and truncate your prayers. All right. Christchurch. Wow. This is serious stuff. Prayers that God won't answer. Okay. Out of sync with God's timing. Unrepentant. Not in his will. Not according to his name. We're doing it to dodge responsibility for the testing of our faith. We're bitter, no mercy, full of lust. We want to bless what God wants to judge. We have an unforgiving heart. Wow, that's serious stuff. Anybody else, can you think of other scriptures? You say, Chris, man, here's another one. This is a prayer God will not answer. Can you think of anything else? Yeah, absolutely. The arrogant, the pride, yes, absolutely. That blocks, yeah. The arrogant. Anybody else? A prayer that is maybe spoken in public to uh, bring the speaker themselves glory and honor. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And that's literally Matthew 6, those opening verses. Don't be like the Pharisees who put on their fancy clothes, go to the high, high traffic areas in the marketplace and pray big, loud prayers to be seen by men. I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go to a closet and pray in secret. For your father who sees in secret will reward you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You ready for a tough question? How's my prayer life? <laughs> Do I have a journal? Well, I prayed this, you know, on February 1. It's already been answered. Check. And I prayed that January 28. Check. God answered that one. How about you? 
God answering your prayers? How about you? I agree. I absolutely agree with that. I, yeah, wow, Lord, this is, ouch. I just want to come to church and be encouraged. Doesn't God think I'm wonderful? God wants intimacy with you. And prayer is one of the primary means that we have intimacy with God. But when we use prayer, you ready for this? Like Western consumers, like we're shopping. God is the great Amazon in the sky. And we just load up our cart and click send. Ooh. Um, I, I decided to dig a little bit. And I, and I looked prayers from Ethiopia. Guess what? Very, very different the kinds of prayers that you would hear in a modern American westernized church. Very, very different. You know. Prayers that come from a place where faith is all you have. Very different. It's kinda kinda sunny, Justin, kinda like, give us this day the bread of today. Not bless my 401k and, and my projection that in 25 years it's going to be phenom. Yay, God. No. No, not that. Somebody else. What is, what, how about this one? Christ, Christ Church owns this thing. How do we get away from this and get to the place where we have true intimacy with God? And you can talk from your heart and God says, I'm there with you. And you literally have intimacy with God. How do we get away from this and get to the good stuff in prayer? What has to happen? Jesus sort of outlines that in his prayer. This is how you should pray. And when we look at that model, it verbally goes contrary to what we see here. Absolutely. Prayer is contrary to the will of God. Your will be done. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those. Yeah. So starting with that, practically that passage of scripture. Yeah. Start with that. Yes. And sit on those words. Yes. Our Father who is in heaven, and I've done this practically, and I, I, I this conversation has motivated me to do this again. To take the five day week and break down and sit on those. Verses. Yes. It. Yes. So Monday, how can I reflect on how holy God is? Yeah. And yes. just stay there for a yeah. minute in silence. Yes. Because it, a lot of the times when we pray for supplication, we pray for things that we need, we sort of race yeah. through them. Yeah. Like, oh, got to get to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't really meditate and take that time to really believe and yeah. focus on the fact that. Jesus Christ wants us to ask these things, but ask them to promote them. Sometimes yeah. That's so good, Patch. That is so good. Someone else, how do we get away from this to get to the good stuff where prayer becomes this living, amazing, intimate conversation we have with God? Yes, Carrie. Spending time in the Word. Yeah. That's all throughout Scripture, it gives you examples of. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Are not in the word, you're not gonna know any of 
Yeah, how to pray according to his will, those things. Absolutely. That is so good. Somebody else. What's that practice? Yeah, the more you, hopefully, the more you do it, yeah. the more it's going to be impractical. Yeah. Yeah. And you learn. Yeah, Karen. Yeah. Um, in the past, when I have thought of the word prayer, I have um, associated that word with just you know, shopping or asking for what I want. Um, and as I'm growing in my spiritual walk, I'm realizing it's not... Having this relationship with God is just like having a relationship with kind of with your buddy. You have to um, invest your time mm-hmm. in the relationship instead of just... Like, I'm not going to go up to Jen and say, hey, I need this, this, and that, and that, that's it. We can't yeah. grow or become anything um, more grow in our relationship if <clears throat> we just ask for things. So what I've, what I've done is, one, gotten the word, um, but you have to treat it like you're talking to someone you really care about. Mm-hmm. And I know it's, it can be hard. It has been hard for me in the past because it's not a physical person you can see. Um, and it's easy to have a relationship with a physical person you can see but you have to think of it like that to um, really have effective prayers Mm, that is so good that is so good Um, no one raise your hands no one raise your hands at this point Uh, those of us who are married um, there are probably occasions in which you get a little frustrated because you feel like you're important to your spouse because of what you do. And it's almost like they're not loving you for who you are. They're loving you for what you do. And as long as you do, they do what you want, then it's an okay relationship. That's not healthy, right? In a healthy marriage, you love your spouse for who they are. It start, intimacy starts at the core of it's who you are that I love. It's not that you cook uh, the greatest meals or you do all these kinds of things. I love and appreciate that too, but it's your heart. As I mentioned last Sunday, we all love to be servants until we're treated like one, right? Yes, sir. Sure. We've got to stop making it about me and our needs and right. have to have the faith that he will take care of our needs and we need to be praying for others' needs or yeah. to do things for other people. Yes. Like you said, we're looking for intimacy or relationship. You don't it's not you don't it's not when you're talking about a relationship, it's you don't focus on yourself, you focus on the others. Yes. So yes. let God take care of you. Yes. And let God and God wants us to act to help others. So yes. Yes. Don't focus on yourself. Yes, which gets at the heart of two things, Charlie, and that you nailed it. Number one, it's about his will, not our will. That's absolutely centric. And then secondly, that we have a heart of compassion for others and mercy, which is what he wants. Absolutely. Thank you. You've answered so well. All right, let's look at two prayers that he would answer. And my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That is the heart that God is looking for. You've already mentioned it, and Stephen and, and Charlie. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These are prayers that God will answer. Um, when you look at David's prayer of confession in Psalm 51, okay, what did, what did Dave, what does the scripture teach us about a broken and contrite heart? What's that? He will not despise it. That's a prayer he will not despise. It's a prayer he will not hate or ignore. The heart that is broken and transparent, right? Do any of you think that if you're morally perfect, if you're morally squeaky clean, God owes you? <laughs> that if you could just get to the place where you're finally morally perfect, absolutely squeaky clean, no bad motives, no, no nothing, then whatever you pray, God's, oh, yes, my perfect servant. <laughs> finally, I've got somebody down there that I can answer prayer for. You know, we have that idea sometimes. Once we attain moral perfection, then God somehow is released to, to do his cool God stuff. That is absolutely not true. It's not true, number one, because we never will get to the place of perfection. Number one, that's not true. And secondly, God's not looking for a perfect heart. He's looking for a broken, repentant, transparent heart that doesn't, with, doesn't hide anything from him. All right, Sabrina. Yes. Yeah, that is so good. Thank you. Thank you. You're you're praying his own will. Yeah, that's so good, Edie. That's Psalm 37. That is so good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All day. That is so good, Lee. Yeah, Lee, you quoted First Thessalonians chapter five. Pray without ceasing. Absolutely. And uh, that's beautiful. So, Christchurch, you have been wonderful. Thank you for sharing truth, um, speaking wisdom. So, how about this? <clears throat> what, what I don't want to do is, is just dismiss this thing. And uh, don't, don't respond, but what needs to happen in your heart? So that all the stuff, all, all the, the prayers that God would not answer, all the stuff goes away. What needs to happen? It could start now where you open up your heart and, and, 
it's like you let go of the steering wheel and say, God, your will, not mine. You got your hands on the steering wheel. I'm not, I'm not trying to drive this thing. Where you let go. And you really are doing, you know, this is it, God. I'm tired of trying to run my life. I want to be under your authority. Your ways are higher than my ways. I want your will in my life. And you become that obedient, tender-hearted son, tender-hearted, like little Isaiah. Uh, when Stephen and, and Rebecca, you, you can see in his eyes, he wants to make his mommy and his daddy happy. That's, that's what Jesus needs in us. So, I want to pray over you. Uh, Abba Father, we've, we've dug into your word today. We've focused on the truth and not turned away from the hard passages. We've faced them. Abba Father, I know, I know. There's a lot of, a lot of pain here in the room right now. And the struggle and the doubts of why you haven't answered prayers. Why you did. And we want the heart of a child open, transparent, looking to you. As, as Charlie said, that you will not forsake us. And you're a good, good father. And if we need a stone of bread, you will not give us stone. You're good and you're kind. And we have to trust you. I pray that right here, right now, hearts are turned to you and they're open and repentant. And they're after your heart, please, Father, for all of us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.